to the throne of God. Am I turned on? Hello, hello, hello. I don't know whether y'all can hear me or not. I think maybe you can, but I'm not sure. Can y'all hear me? Somebody wave at me if you can hear me. Good morning. Welcome to the throne of God. We're getting ready to go there. We have a very special Sunday. This is our one service Sunday so that we can see one another. You're going to have a chance to be able to reach out to one another. You need to have the unleavened bread and the grape juice. And if you don't have it already, I have a few down here at the front. And I'll give you the opportunity to ask for those to be brought around to you here in a few minutes. Let's all stand and we're going to offer up this beautiful song. We have come into your house. Let's make sure it says we have come into your house this morning and and gathered in your name to worship you. Let's all begin this morning. We have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. We have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. We have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship Christ our Lord. Oh, we worship you, your Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us lift up holy hands. Let us lift up holy hands and magnify your name and worship you. Sing to him now. Let us lift up holy hands and magnify your name and worship you. Let us lift up holy hands and magnify your name and worship Christ our Lord. Oh, we worship you, your Jesus Christ, our Lord. You are all our righteousness, and we stand complete. You are all my righteousness, and I stand complete in you and worship you. Yes, you are. You are all my righteousness, and I stand complete in you and worship you. You're complete because of him. You are all my righteous. I don't feel complete, Phil. It's not about you. You and worship Christ, my Lord. Oh, I worship you. You're Jesus Christ, my Lord. Yes, I worship you. You're Jesus Christ. My Lord, you have just confessed that Jesus is Lord. You better prepare yourself. When heaven hears people confessing that Jesus is Lord, everything is about to change. You all may be seated. Danny, come and take us to the throne of God. Good morning, everyone. Father, we come to you and I thank you, Lord, that the kingdom of God is at hand. Father, we are here to worship you, and it has begun so, so tender this morning already, Father. We worship you. You're Jesus Christ. You're our Lord, my Lord. And Father, we thank you as we gather here this morning that each and every individual will hear from the Holy Spirit today. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Let each heart be open to be tender to you, Father God. Lord, we thank you for your love and your mercy. There are many here who need a, 
touch of some sort from you, Father. All of us were broken in some way. And Father, we thank you that you are here to heal the brokenhearted, Father. And so right now, Father, we thank you as we continue in this praise and worship service, Father God, that that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, we thank you, Father, that the Spirit will fall upon us and touch us in a way that we need touched and be ministered to as only you allow the Spirit to do, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now I want you to know something. Sin has robbed every one of us. That's why it's important that we say, you are all my righteousness. And I stand complete in you. We are standing in His presence, and we are complete. Now then, those of you that want to stand up for this next song, you can do that, but we're going to offer up this beautiful song that's entitled, When the Saints Go Marching In. First verse and fourth verse. I am just a weary pilgrim Plodding through this world of sin Getting ready for that city where the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I'm gonna be in that number when the saints go. Verse 4 now. Up there, I'll see my Savior. What did He do? Who redeemed my soul from sin? With extended hands, He'll greet me when those saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I'm gonna be in that number when the saints, chorus one more time, marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I'm gonna be in that number when the saints go marching in. Amen. Clap your hands. Now then, I know some of you were looking at the chorus and you said, it doesn't say I'm going to be in that number. Well, I'm going to. I don't want to be in that number. Now, if you don't know for sure today, you need to make sure that you know that you know that you're going to be in that number. Let's all be seated, offer up the next song. I need for you all to be seated because I haven't led this one in some time. And I want to take you to the throne of God with it. And so it'll help me if I see you all looking relaxed. Saved by the blood of the crucified one, now ransomed from sin and a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. I am saved by the blood of the crucified one. Anybody want to say amen?
Because we need to know today, we're getting ready to hear an amazing message. Last, recently, my brother brought forth at the 8 o'clock a message about sin and our part in dealing with it. And we need to deal with it. We don't need to send back and say, oh, I don't know what to do. Too many of us are saying, I don't know what to do. The problem with that is that we don't know who we are. We don't know who we belong to. We don't know what He wants us to do. And the church can never be in that position. Let's offer up the, the second verse of this. Saved by the blood of the crucified one, the angels rejoicing because it is done. A child of the Father, joint heir with the Son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Last verse, verse 4. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. All hail to the Father. All hail to the Son. All hail to the Spirit, the great three in one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Clap your hands. Because I'm telling you that the throne of God knows when you proclaim Jesus to be Lord. And that means we should have expectation. And when we sing, glory, I'm saved, the heaven began to erupt with singing, holy, 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 because only God can make us to where we know that we're saved. Let's offer up nothing but the blood, verses 1 and 4. Let's see, I think that's what I'm wanting to do. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Verse 3. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. One more blood song this day. We're going to offer up There is a Fountain, verses 1 and 2. 
There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that blood, lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day and there may i though vile as he wash all my sins away wash all my sins away wash all my sins away and there may i though vile as he Wash all my sins away. If sin has been bothering you, you need to take part in the blood covenant. Everybody should have one of these little things. If you came in from one side or the other, you may not. I have some down here. Danny has some at the back. How many of you do not have one of these right here. I see several people I can take care of down here close to the front. Here we go. Here we go. And Danny will be getting them. He was not ready. He's coming now. And Danny will be coming. Y'all need some? Because I want to make sure everybody has the opportunity to participate. I'll bring one more. No. Oh, you got enough. That's good. Who else needs one? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Okay, I see. Who else? We'll be coming to you. We'll be coming to you. Here we go. Who else needs one? 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 We got everybody? Now then we're, we're participating. Wash all my sins away. It's only the blood that cleanses us and washes us. You might say, well, I took a shower this morning. I've taken four of them. One early this morning and I've been three times up and down in the parking lot. <laughs> been taking another one. Those don't do anything. I've been in, I've been in the baptistry. Not today, but I've been there. Doesn't do anything for sin. Though you might see the water looking really nice and smelling good. Most of the time it doesn't. So we're doing now what we know will take care of our... You have one, that's good. Anybody else that doesn't have one? Upstairs, everybody has one? I'm... I'm I'm seeing somebody pointing. Y'all have... That's thumbs up. That's good. So now then, on this there are two tabs... One of them will release the wafer, the unleavened bread at the top. It's a little thin wafer. It's a little thin tab. And you need to take that out. 
and you are staking your claim in the blood covenant. You're doing that. Heaven is looking on. I'll guarantee you this is one of those times when God does not keep silent. Because he's calling the angels into awareness and he's calling everybody else. Did you see my, gir- my girl? Did you see my boy? Do you see them down there, what they're doing right now? They are staking a claim in a covenant. This is God speaking, not Phil Thompson. A covenant with me. And we know that Job had a blood covenant with God. How do we know that? Because he offered sacrifices. He never got to see Jesus except by faith. He knew he was going to see him. Some of us have not seen him yet either. But I know and you know we're going to see him also. So let's look at the scriptures. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now he did this with a very special attitude. He didn't look at his life and say, I don't know why I have to do this. It says, and when he had given thanks, and he was giving thanks for what was accomplished because of the blood. And you'd have no idea everything God wants to do because of the blood. You only know, okay, I'm here to be able to claim his perfect life, and I'm here to claim his blood. But you don't know everything God wants to do, but I can guarantee you, he wants to show you. And when he had given thanks, and he did it all night long. What was getting ready to happen the next day? Well, at one point that night, he cried and he wept, and he said, if there be any way for this cup to pass from me, let it pass, but nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. And I believe after he had wept those tears, he still thanked God all night long. Because I believe from the next day, whenever he's on the cross and he looked down at them, he wasn't saying, I hate being on this cross. Look at all those losers out there. No, he looked down and he said, thank you, God. Father, forgive them. I know what's getting ready to happen. Do you know that you've been forgiven? It's because of his perfect life. And when he had given thanks, he took that bread and he broke it. Break it with me. And he gave it to them saying, take it, eat it. Unleavened bread says that this is what represents no sin. Only Jesus' life had no sin. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of what I have done. Because we know things that God has done. And what God is doing. And we know some things that he is doing. And what I'm getting ready to do. You're in a blood covenant now. Take this and, and eat it. Now be very careful for those of you that haven't opened this bottom one. Because it's a little bit tougher. And the first two times I opened this, I squeezed it too hard and squished it all over me. And if you squish it all over, you raise your hand. I'll make sure somebody brings you some paper towels. And after the same manner, Jesus also took the cup. What manner was that? Thank you, God! Thank you for what you're getting ready to do with my perfect life and with my precious blood. And after the same manner of thanksgiving, he also took the cup. And when he had supped of it, he gave it each one of them individually. Jesus, what do you want to give to each one of us today? And he gave it to each one of them individually. And he said, this cup is the New Testament or we can tell it because of the way the Testament should be translated, the new covenant that we can't break, because we could break the old one, but we can't break the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood. You got a sin problem? Yeah, everybody's got a sin problem. Or you know somebody whose sin problem is affecting you. That's why we need the blood. 
This is the new covenant in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of what I have done, what I am doing, and what I'm going to do. Oh, that's good grape juice. I didn't hear an amen. That's all right. Yeah. I didn't expect to hear an amen. Because I remember whenever I was younger and before I knew what the blood covenant meant, and some of y'all may not really know. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to be one of the 49ers back in this two centuries ago that went to California looking for gold? And when they found a little bit, they went and they, they staked a claim, holding, hoping that it was so much more than what little pieces they had found. Well, I'll guarantee you they didn't know whether they really had anything or not. They didn't know whether they did or not. But we know God cannot lie. He wants to be in a blood covenant with every one of us. All right, a few announcements from the bulletin. Vacation Bible School is starting up a week from tomorrow. How many of you knew that Vacation Bible School was starting up a week from tomorrow? That's not everybody. Now you do. And tomorrow at 1 o'clock here, we will be having a meeting of those who want to be involved. And you might say, well, I can't. I've got something else going on then I'm telling you that if we're not really involved in some way, we are the Laodicean church. Because they were, looked like they were doing something. But they were neither hot nor cold. And if there's any way that you can be here at 1 o'clock tomorrow, and that doesn't mean that you have to say, I'm going to give blood. Jesus gave all the blood we need. That means to come and show support. If there's any way that you can do that, do that. And if you can't be here at 1 o'clock tomorrow, that's good. Tell me, tell God that you're not going to stop praying for what can happen in that vacation Bible school. Somebody say amen. amen. So that's one thing that's happening tomorrow, that we're, that we're going to be doing that. In July, we're going to be having a um, Falls Creek for the young people. And I'll be making this announcement over and over and over again. There have been some cards about things that they need. Have any of you all taken one of those cards? That's several of you. From what I understand, they've either been thrown away or they've all been taken. I don't know. I'm going to go to Missy and I'm going to say, do you need more? She's probably going to put out some more cards for things that we might need. And so you need to be looking out there for the cards on how you can do that. And you must be in prayer for those young people to be dealt with by God. And you'll have an opportunity in July to be able to come to a meeting for them going. You may not be able to see all of the young people that are going to go, but there will be a meeting of those who are interested in support. And your support, more than just being there with them, of course, by that time you might have say, well, I really want to go. Some of you already told me that. Well, that's marvelous, but you need to come and show your support or else the church is like the... Laodicean church, neither hot nor cold. What did God say he wanted to do with the Laodicean church? He wanted to get them out of his mouth. All right? All right, so those are a couple of things. The men's prayer breakfast is this coming Saturday. Men, we need you there, because if we're not a praying church, we're nothing. There are some other announcements that are in there that I should be able to remember, but I don't think I managed to get up here with them. Are there any announcements that anybody wants to tell me you forgot this, you forgot that, and you forgot something else? That's good. 
Nobody's telling me anything. I like it when you do tell me. So don't be, don't be ashamed or afraid to talk to me and tell me certain things. In a couple of months, approximately, we'll be having our annual business meeting. Things have totally changed in the last four years for Liberty Baptist Church. Look around at the good number of people there are here this morning. That's why we need to have this because we don't really know one another anymore. One Sunday a month we can do this where we can know one another. But we need to know that things have changed so much that we're, going, we're not, the church is not collapsing. We're not in great trouble because some of you already said, I hear you saying things and I'm like, what, are we in trouble? No, but things need to be changed. And when we have the annual business meeting, you need to know in advance that there are some changes. Next week, I will have some way for you to be aware of our deacons, trustees, and they are aware of the things that we're looking at. And I will have them come about every week to come and be able to tell you to pray for this, to pray for that, and to pray for other things. Because otherwise, some of you are going to come to the meeting and you're going to say, well, I didn't know anything about that. You need to know. Don't you think so? Somebody say amen. There, that's a pretty good number of you that want to, to be aware of all of those things. So we need to know and be aware of all those possibilities. Are there any guests or visitors in our congregation today? We need to have guests and visitors, people. You know what that means? We need to invite people. I'm looking out and I'm seeing a whole bunch of people here from our gymnasium class. How many of y'all go down to the gymnasium class? Y'all go down to the gymnasium class. You need to go down there. Are you glad for them to be here? Clap louder. Those of you from the gymnasium class, now you didn't hear me go, Woo! I did it now. But there were some of them that did that. You need to be aware of that. We need you. We need you. And we need a lot of other people. We need to tell them. Reach out to them and let them know. Okay, I don't know if that's all of the announcements. Oh, any birthdays or anniversaries? Because June is generally an anniversary month. And are you having a... Two weeks ago. Have you all been married 50 years yet? 40. 40. Is Does it seem like 50 yet? <laughs> but look at them. They feel like they've been married 50 years. And look at them. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's amazing. Look at them because they're filled with great joy. Thank you all for standing. Way back at the back, back there. I'm coming to you in a few minutes, brother. Way back at the back. Was that 53? Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Thank God. And like I said, June is a, is a wedding month. Yes. Did you say 63rd? Does it still feel like 50? <laughs> and and er, Robert wants everybody to know that in two weeks from tomorrow he's going to be 61 but we can't celebrate yet I'm sorry because we got to get closer to your birthday anniversary people would y'all stand back up again so we can sing happy anniversary happy anniversary to you happy anniversary to you happy anniversary God bless you happy anniversary to you God is good all the time one more song before we allow Jimmy to come and sing for us this morning as we're going to the throne of God 
and we're going to sing a song that we sing which says, we're the people of God. When's the last time you confessed at the throne of God? I am one of the people of God. Now, if you don't know this song, learn it, because we're going to be singing it a lot, because we need to sing this to our hearts, we need to sing it to the throne of God, and we need to sing it to every evil influence that think they've got us under their thumb. They don't. God's getting ready to deal with them. Amen. So let's offer this beautiful song up. Y'all may remain seated. With our lips let us sing one confession. With our hearts hold to one truth alone. For he has erased our transgressions. Claimed us and called us his own. His very own. We're the people of God. Called by his name. Called from the dark. And delivered from shame. One holy race. Saints everyone. Because of the blood of Christ. Jesus and why am I a child of God? Because of the blood. I'm in a blood covenant. Hear us, O spirits of darkness, so you will know where we stand. We are His servants, purchased with scars, bought by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. We're the people of God, called by His name, called from the dark and delivered from shame. One holy race, saints, everyone, because of the blood of Christ Jesus the Son. In a few minutes, Dr. King is going to come and bring a message. Right after this, Brother Jimmy will be coming and bringing our special for the day. God is on edge today, are we? Some of us are edgy. You don't know. I don't. He does. And he's always on edge. He's not edgy. He's right here ready. Carol, if you'll come. I like for every once in a while for Carol to speak because when she speaks to me, I, my brain opens up and my heart opens up. Yes. You're welcome. Good morning. Um, I wanted to read first um, in my Bible um, what it said the word is. And before I tell you something else the Lord said, my Bible said it, the word, talking about the word, it is a fountainhead of freeing truth <clears throat> and a gold mine of practical principles waiting to liberate and or enrich the person who will pursue its truth and wealth. Amen. <clears throat> That's powerful. That's what the word is in our lives. It's life-changing. 
And as I was in prayer um, a couple weeks ago, the Lord gave me, you know, he, he loves us so much. Yes, he does. And he keeps, um, he's a step ahead of us. Amen, always. <laughs> Thank God he's a step ahead of us because sometimes we're kind of lagging behind a little bit. Always. And I love what he said here. He says, listen to my voice, my church. This is the time and season that you can no longer afford to go from Sunday to Sunday or Sunday to Wednesday or even one day to another without spending quality time in my word. Amen. This season requires an hour-to-hour walk. Amen. Remember what my servant Paul told Timothy. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Amen. Gird up the loins of your mind. Keep your armor on. Walk in the spirit. Walk in, walk in the spirit and cling to my word. My word is my will for you and all that you need to sustain you. Heed my warning, church. You need me every hour. Amen. Seek me and you will find me at every turn. Amen. Ask and I will give to you. <clears throat> Knock and I will open the door of wisdom and knowledge to my people And in these times of desperate uncertainty, I will be taking you through the storm, one step at a time, hand in hand, revealing my way to you, saith the Lord. And you know, his way is not our way. He's got a higher way, a better way to take us through the storm. And we're all going to face storms. Yes, we are. And in and, and the United States, we're facing one even now, a serious storm. And, um, but I just wanted to encourage the church, you know, he's all-powerful. Yes, he's he almighty. Yes, he is. He's never failing. Amen. When we're weak, he's strong. And when our nation is, looks like there's no hope, there's hope in Thank Christ. Thank God. We have hope in the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you something that the Lord told me about the church, and I like this. He said, we are to live out the Holy Spirit's production of the kingdom of God through his word. Amen. I thought that was rich, and if you need a, I'm, I'll put that in the bulletin. It's just something that we need to be reminded of. Amen. We have a part. We all have a part. In, in the kingdom of God. And uh, so I just want to share that with you this morning. Thank you for letting me share that. Amen. Thank you for coming and prophesying to us. Brother, you'll come and take us to the throne of God. I have to go the other direction. Yes, he does. I've had many tears and sorrows. Amen. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times that I didn't know right from wrong. Amen. 
But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all, through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word. I've been to lots of places and I've seen a lot of faces. There have been times I felt so all alone. But in my lonely hours, yes, those precious lonely hours, Jesus let me know that I was His own. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all, through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word. I thank God for the mountains and I thank Him for the valleys. I thank Him for the storms He's brought me through. For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that He could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could bring me through. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Let's sing the chorus one more time and worship Him. Oh, through it all, through it all, we praise You, Lord. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Standing, we're going to take up the offering. Clap your hands. Through it all. Through it all. For the ushers, we're getting ready to take up the offering. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank You that through it all, You have been God over us. We ask that Your Word would work on us today. We'd ask that we'd be able to look at this sinful world and our sinful condition and be brought to a new place in Christ Jesus. And we offer tithes and offerings so that you can do the impossible. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, y'all may be seated. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Let's praise God for what's getting ready to happen. Praise God, 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 praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Lord, prepare our hearts. Your Word wants to accomplish something in us. Lord, if we're not ready, we ask that You deal harshly so that we'll come running to You and saying, God, be our God. And do not let us look at our impossibilities and say, I just don't know if I can trust God anymore. That is the most sad condition. What sin can do for us if we don't let you take care of it. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Take it away, Dr. King. Thank you. <laughs> take it away, Dr. King. Reminds me, I'm from, from the country. The only thing I've ever heard, take it away, Leon. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, that came to mind. <laughs> Sing a song. <laughs> uh, you might want to uh, open up your Bibles or look on the wall up behind me. I'm reading from uh, I'm reading from Jonah, the second chapter, starting with verse one. From in uh, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord God. He said, "In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. From the depths of the grave, I call for help." And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Then engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me forever. But you brought my life up from the pit. 
hit, O Lord my God. And when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon dry ground. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of his word. The religious experience of our generation has been sorely impoverished by the result of our tragic failures to believe in the haunting reality of hell. Claiming to be intellectually superior to our foreparents, we have dismissed the doctrine of brimstone and the fiery pit as nothing more than frightening fabricated fairy tale woven in gossamer. A silent consensus that views hell as an invention of the pulpit, it seems to have emerged. The word has been whispered from person to person, from pew to pew, from place to place, that, ha- that hell was an allegory invented by pulpiteers of other days for the purpose of frightening us out, of enjoying the pleasures of life for the, nor- ne- for the more nebulous experience of serving the Lord. Yet as neat and convenient as such an explanation may sound, there is no experiencing the fact that God is more than a scare tactic, that hell is more than a scare tactic. Whether or not we believe in hell as a fact of the afterlife with all the manner of nefarious activity occurring around us, there just is no disputing that hell is a horrible fact of this life. Whatever we may believe about hell in our personal faith system, hell is certainly no figment of the prophetic imagination. Hell is a reality. The preaching and theology of our foreparents place more emphasis on the judgment of God than do the theology and preaching of our time. Our ancestors believed in a cosmic battle between good and evil. They believed in the devil, and they believed in hell. They believed that God would reward the righteous and punish the evildoer. And it seems that this spiritual perspective created within them a deeper reverence for God and for life. When our forebears spoke of heaven and hell, we ridiculed them and accused them of being otherworldly. But otherworldly or not, at least they had enough sense to see that a divine law of judgment is built in the very nature of life. 
They knew that no matter who you are in this world, you're going to reap what you sow. You get back what you give. What goes around comes around. What goes up eventually comes down. They understood that you experience the fiery fingertips of hell simply by experiencing the consequences of your own evil actions. Suddenly, we have become so sophisticated that we claim our spiritual sensibilities are offended by any reference to such realities as sin and judgment and the devil and hell. It offends our sensibilities. We contend that what we need is not judgment, fire, and brimstone, but a positive message that teaches us positive principles to induce positive thinking, to inspire positive living. Despite all of our positive thinking, the devastating effects of sin and the scorching proof of hell are still all around us. You watch the news lately? Huh? Picking up some magazines, seeing what's in the newspaper? The religious experience of our time is shortchanging us. Because it is missing the grave accent of the judgment of God. It's telling us all about the boundless blessings of God. It's telling us all about the precious promises of God. But it's not telling the whole truth. The other side of the story is the soul that sinneth shall die. Ezekiel 18.20. In consequence, we are not taking seriously the judgment of God or the consequences of our own actions. We are living as though we can act any way we please and do anything we please without having to answer to anybody. And a result of that is that we've made an infernal mess of our lives. Our wild, undisciplined, unethical, irreverent lifestyles have turned our communities into the spirits of hell. Yes, more than we. Our foreparents stressed the judgment of God and the reality of hell. And some of us are alive today because they taught us. We listened to them. Some of us have been spared needless pain. Some of us have avoided an early grave. Some of us have missed a whole lot of hell in life because we were taught by our parents that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs 9.10 No matter what we say, hell is not just an unfortunate set of circumstances that we wake up and find ourselves in. Hell is a circumstance that we create ourselves when we live our life with no regard for the judgment of God. We're headed for hell. When we act but fail to consider the consequences of our actions, we're headed for hell. 
when we think only of pleasing ourselves with no thought that our pleasure may be causing somebody else pain, somebody else worries, somebody else's tears, then we're headed for hell. Hell is not just a place of punishment after we die. If we ignore God and disregard God's divine laws of the reciprocal, we'll end up creating our own private hell. There's no need to think of hell as only an experience of the afterlife. Hell is a fact of this life that we're living. All across our world, all across our world, there are diabolical conditions that trap and torture human life in the red-hot flames of hell. Every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, some people are living through a form of torture, misery, pain, from those kept suffering by the satanic systems of this world to crack, even to the crack-addicted babies that are born in the ghettos. Many people have lives singed entirely by the licking, laughing flames of hell. It is hell to have to live in squalor when wealth and affluence are teasingly dangled before your wanting eyes. It is hell to have to walk dangerous streets overcrowded with dope fiends and cutthroats and DUIs and backstabbers. No, there's no need to think of hell merely as an apocalyptic eschatological cauldron sitting on by a gas range in some south pole of eternity. There are pockets and there are outposts of hell all around us. Hell is the situation in which women are physically and mentally abused by demonized men. Hell is a situation in which innocent children are maimed and raped and murdered by persons whose souls have been demonized. Hell is a situation that tortures before it even destroys. Hell is a situation where there seems to be no hope, no exit. No matter what the in in circumstances, we always, always, must always have a way out. We always need a blessing of moving on to the next experience. We always need to know that deliverance is a possibility. When we know that, then we're not that we're not stuck. We can endure practically any pain. We can face any foe. We can handle any hardship. We can survive any fiery trial if we know that there is a way out. Some people have been in a hellified situation for so long that they have become hopeless about their lives, concluding there's just no way out. This is at least one reason it pays to be serious-minded when, when you come to church. And I'll tell you why. Church might be an extension of your weekend entertainment. But you know what? There are some people here in this church for whom church is a spiritual survival. 
Some people sitting right here in these pews in this sanctuary are, in, are on a two-hour furlough from hell. Amen. And they come to church looking for a way out. Some people are AWOL from hell and they slip away to church looking for a way out. And the good news is that no matter how you get to hell, there is a way out. Why don't you ask Jonah? <laughs> Jonah landed in hell. But he will tell you there is a way out. As a prophet of God, Jonah should have known that hell was his destination when he disobeyed God's orders and he tried to do everything his way. One of the most hellish songs I've ever heard someone sing is, I did it my way. <laughs> As a prophet of God, Jonah should have known that hell was his destination when he disobeyed God's orders and tried to do things his way. I don't know what went through Jonah's mind when the angel came and announced to Jonah that he, was be the, he would be the guest preacher at the first citywide revival service to be held in the sinful city of Nineveh. But for some reason, Jonah decided, I don't want to go. He hated the Ninevites. Yes, he didn't want them to be saved. He didn't want the Ninevites to be saved. He decided that if the Ninevites were to become saved, it wouldn't be because of my preaching, he said. Jonah said to himself, now I love to preach. But if God plans to save those sinful Ninevites, he'll have to get himself another preacher because I ain't going. I'm going on, vac I'm going on vacation. <laughs> it's a hellish attitude to want God to bless only us. God only bless our folks and the people we like. Bless us, Lord. And the word is that Jonah went down to Joppa, he purchased a ticket to Tarshish, and he paid the fare. Yep. You know a ticket to hell is very expensive. Yes. Sometimes it costs your health. Sometimes it costs your strength. Sometimes it costs an arm, or a leg, or a lung, or an eye, or a kidney. Some people have paid as much as their sanity. Amen. Some people have paid as much as losing their families. Amen. And some people have paid as much as their very way of life. A ticket to hell, listen, costs an awful lot. I don't know exactly how much it costs, but I do know it's more than I want to pay. It's more than I can afford. Jonah paid the price thereof. He thought he had won this war of tug of war with God. He, he thought, well, I'm, I'm one. God said, Nineveh. Jonah said, Tarshish. God said, Nineveh with its sinful streets. Jonah said, Tarshish with white, sandy beaches. God said, Nineveh with its lustful lifestyle. Jonah said, Tarshish with its refreshing breezes. God said, Nineveh with its wretched traditions. And Jonah said, Tarshish with its shade and its palm trees. Trying to escape the presence of the Lord, Jonah went to Tarshish. Now the only place 
that you can try to get away from God is hell. I don't care how good it looks or what popular hot spot it is. If you're trying to get away from God, that place is hell. The name on the map may, may say Tarshish, the name or the sign may say New York, it may say Paris, it may say Rome. The name on the map may somebody's may be somebody's house. But wherever you go trying to escape the presence of the Lord, that place is hell. Jonah boarded a ship to go to Tarshish. He ended up in hell. Now, he should have had sense enough to know that even in hell, he can't escape God. Amen. For the psalmist tells us in Psalm 139, Even if I make my bed in hell, behold, God, thou art there. Now, the next part of Jonah's story is familiar. There was a storm. Cargo was thrown over into the sea. Jonah slept. The sailors cast lots. The lot fell on Jonah, who was cast overboard. But God had prepared a great fish, and that fish consumed Jonah. And that fish uh, turned out to be the bowels of hell. Jonah tried everything he could to get out on his own. Jonah twisted. He turned. He squirmed. He waited. He hoped. He thought time would bring about a change. But when he recognized he couldn't get out of the depths of hell on his own, Jonah cried unto the Lord. And the Lord heard his cry. People, if you're in hell and you've had enough, there is a way out. To get out first, you must pray your way out. Even the lips of Jonah came these words, Out of the belly of hell I cried, and thou heard my voice. Now let's back up for just a moment. The first thing we do when we want to fling off moral restraint and head out of the preserve of God en route to our own Tarshish, the first thing we do is Stop praying. The first step to hell is to stop talking to God. Look back over your life and you'll see that you started slipping when you stopped praying. Prayer is a way that you allow your life to stay under the control of God. The more you pray, the more control you allow God to exercise over your life. And, and the less you pray, the less God has to do with you. At some point, Jonah stopped praying. And doing so made it easy for him to reject God's orders. Even after the fish consumed him, Jonah was still too stubborn, so hard-headed, and full of hell to pray right away. He was so mean-spirited that he would rather have died and been through, been through with his praying days. But God, wouldn't let Jonah die. That's right. God wouldn't let him off the hook that That's easy. Right. Jonah couldn't get out of hell on his own, and you can't get out of hell on your own either. Smarts won't get you out of hell. Good contacts won't get you out of hell. Consolidating all your bills is not going to get you out of hell. 
You have to pray to get out of hell. Jonah tried everything he could, but nothing worked. Finally, Jonah opened up his mouth and he cried unto the Lord. And he cried to the Lord. And the words that he used, he was so desperate. He didn't just pray. He cried. In other words, it wasn't one of those little licking the promised prayers. Jonah was wailing. Jonah was travailing with God in prayer. Now at first, Jonah got no answer. When you're in hell and trying to pray, sometimes it, sometimes it seems useless. And from hell, God seems so far away when you're in hell. A prayer from hell is an ultimate long-distance phone call to God. But when you're in hell, you've got to keep on praying and until God answers back. Jonah kept on crying to the Lord, and the Lord called back. God said, I hear you, Jonah. Where are you? And he said, I've been, he said, God, I'm on my knees. God said, that's just where I've been trying to get you. If, if you're in hell, if you're in hell, get on your knees. If you want out, get on your knees. You've got to pray your way out. You've got to call the Lord. God will hear you. There's mercy with God. There's forgiveness with God. There's deliverance with God. There's a future with God. If you want out of hell, you've got to get down on your knees and pray your way out. And the first step in the, in, in the direction of hell is to stop praying. Just stop praying. You'll end up in hell. And the second step on that downward staircase to nowhere is to stop worshiping. You know, not only had Jonah stopped praying, he had stopped going to church. Maybe he thought temple was dull, you know, kind of dull. Or maybe he viewed the church as, while well, it's just full of hypocrites. Or maybe he thought, he was, I'm pretty good on my own. I don't need the church. I'm on my own. I'm all right. We don't know why Jonah stopped worshiping. We do know that in the depths of hell, he took another look toward the church. Jonah said, I will look again toward thy holy temple. The church is not just a formality, people. The church is a saving force in your life. The church is another way of staying in touch with God. If you're going to find God anywhere, you're going to rest assured that you're going to find God in His temple. As the prophet Habakkuk says, Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. People who frequent the church learn how to deal with the hell in their lives. Hell may break out all around those church people, but the church is a refuge in the midst of hell. A shelter in a time of storm. A rest stop for the weary. A refreshing station for sagging spirits. Now while Jonah was in hell, he had time to think. He began to rethink the value of the place of church in his life. His past church-going days ran through his mind. He said to himself, When I went to church, my, my steps were steady. 
I had the stability in my life. I felt better about myself when I went to church. I had a hopeful outlook on my salvation when I went to church. I had joy in my heart when I went to church. Perhaps Jonah remembered the words of the psalmist. Listen to what David said. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. If you think the temple is irrelevant, if you think you can take or leave the temple, get in hell. From hell, the church doesn't look so bad. In hell, Jonah started thinking. The temple crossed his mind. He promised God, if you let me out of this hell, I'll sacrifice with the voice of my thanksgiving. In other words, Jonah said, I'll praise your name. And when I went to the temple before, I used to kind of just sit there like a lump on a log. Like a lump on a log, I just sat there. But if you let me out, I'll praise his name. You know, I'll make a joyful noise. And when I went before, I used to just go. But you'll let me out, I'll have a testimony. I will pay what I have vowed. In other words, he said, I will commit myself. I used to just have my name on a roll. But if you let me out, I'll commit myself. I'll pay my tithes. I'll get involved in the church work. I'll give my service. I'll worship you with my whole heart if you'll just let me out of hell. You've got to worship people. You've got to worship your way out. You've got to give your way out. You've got to sing your way out. You've got to serve your way out. You've got to shout your way out of hell. And worship will keep you out of hell. And worship will get you out of hell. From the depths of hell, Jonah prayed to get out. He promised the Lord that once he was free, he'd go back to church. Jonah did everything he could do, but finally he had done all that Jonah simply had to wait. He had to trust God to let him out. He had to learn the lesson. And here's the lesson. Salvation is of the Lord. You can get yourself into a hell of a mess, but the salvation is of the Lord. Your friends and your family can make your life hell, but salvation is of the Lord. You can get yourself in, but nobody else can get you out, for salvation is of the Lord. The best doctor can't write a prescription so you can medicate your way out. The best lawyer in the world can't argue you out. The best banker can't loan you enough money to buy your way out. The psychiatrist has no word of wisdom in his therapeutic arsenal of counsel to get you out. The shrewdest legislature can't pass any law to force you out. The union can organize a protest to demand to let you out. The preacher can pray for you, but he can't pray enough to get you out of hell. Salvation is of the Lord. You see, once you're in hell, you're on a when-God-gets-ready schedule. And God may not be ready until you've learned your lesson. God may not be ready until you're more humble in spirit. God may not be ready until you know how to treat your fellow human beings. 
God may not be ready until you act like you've got some sense that God gave you. God may not be ready until you've changed your evil ways. God may not be ready until you make a commitment to serve Him. When you get in hell, you can't get out just because you want to. You may want to get out, but you must wait until God is ready. Hell can't do anything without God's permission. Hell might swallow you up, but it's not going to destroy you. If God's not furnished with you, if you'll pray, if you'll worship, if you'll trust, after a while God will be ready and He will let you out. Jonah had done all that he could do. Now he just sat there in hell of a situation and just trusted and waited on God. And after a while, God decided that Jonah had suffered long enough. God spoke to the fish, and the fish spit him out upon the ground. And if you'll trust God, He will speak to whatever has a grip on your life, and God will set you free. If you'll trust God, He'll speak to your binding demon, saying, Loose him and let him go. If you'll, tr- if you'll trust God, God will say, loose her from the, chains of, from the chain of an inferiority complex that shackles her mind. Loose him from the ropes of wretchedness that bind his soul. Loose her from the bondage of hate that fills her heart. Loose him and let him go, no matter how hellified the situation. If you'll pray, if you'll worship, if you'll trust, God will deliver, for salvation is of the Lord. Let us stand and sing our hymn. Uh, Saved by by the blood, that marvelous song that we sang. Yeah, clap your hands. Brother, I want to thank you for that marvelous, that marvelous message that you brought again today. Somebody here today is on fire. You're just beginning to feel that little glow of something being possible for you. You don't know where that glow is going to go. You don't know how it's going to work. But you have to be willing to do your part. I'm going to ask Dr. King to sit down here at the front. We're going to offer up several verses of this song so that you have an opportunity. It's time to be able to, be, to come to the throne of God. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you need to say, I have, I have hope for things, but I've given up on hope rededicate yourself to the only hope there is Jesus Christ the Son of God let's offer this up saved by the blood of the crucified one now ransomed from sin and a new work begun sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son saved by the blood of the crucified claim it now Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Another thing I want to say, because I want to give him the opportunity to say something too. You may be thinking, well, that's good. I'm glad I heard that message today. But are you willing to get out of hell? 
Too much of America has already swallowed the bait. They've been caught on the hook. They don't know any way of getting out when all we have to do is to pray and praise and give ourselves to God Almighty. Let's sing the chorus again. Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Now remember, are you just burning a little bit today? If you're in hell, you're already on fire. Whether you're here in hell or you're in a, a hell somewhere else, you're on fire. Are you ready for the fire that does not consume? Are you ready for the possibility that comes to you when you come out or ready to come out of the hell that you're in? Brother, Brother King, do you have anything you want to say as we're getting ready to sing another chorus? Even if you don't come right now, and you should, there's still time. We're going to close the service, but our pastor here and myself and others will be here and we'll pray with you and we'll lift you up in the face of God if you'll come even then. Heavenly Father, we thank you yes. for this crowd that's here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for salvation. We thank you, Lord, for those that cry out for salvation. We pray, Lord, that you'll continue to bless the people in this congregation today, those that are praying for their souls and for their, Please, for their God. families, for their friends, for those that they know are living in hell. Lord, we pray for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory, I'm saved.